Thanks, Angel. So, hey everyone, my name's Ming, one of the student ministers here at Uni Church. Um, so, why don't we start by praying and asking God to help us understand what's going on in this passage? Let's pray, to, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know you are good, and we see it so clearly in the historical pages of your word, the Bible. We see it in your Son, Jesus Christ, how you gave him up for us so that we might live for you. So, as we open up your word today, Help us to understand it the way you intended. May we see what you see as you spoke through your servant, Paul. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Someone once said that there are three kinds of dogs that you see in the city. There are the tied-up dogs, the ones that are tied up to a pole or, or locked up in a kennel. Then there are the roaming-the-street dogs, the ones that, that sort of wander around without a home, aimlessly going through rubbish burns and gutters looking for food. And then there are the walk-by-the-master dogs, the, sometimes walking by the master without even a leash. And I want to put it to you today that for the last four chapters or so, Paul's been urging the Galatian church on why tied-up dog Christianity is really no Christianity at all, urging them and us that religiously and blindly following Old Testament law is foolish, foolish and a dead end. And that was the last four chapters of Galatians. But this week, in a little bit of last, Paul turns the page, and he wants to show us how, how to avoid tied-up dog Christianity, but even more than that, how to avoid aimless, wandering Christianity, claiming you're a Christian, but not knowing how to live as a Christian, Claiming to trust in Jesus, but living your life to whatever your heart's content. Instead, Paul wants to show us how to enjoy the freedom that comes by walking with the Master, walking alongside God Himself. Freedom in Christ, true freedom, means fighting the flesh and growing the fruit of the Spirit by the Spirit. So that's my three points for us today. They all start with F if you're following along in your outlines. The fight that is good, the friend who empowers, and the fruit which has grown. Three points for us. So, the fight that is good. Galatians 5, verse 16 to, 20, 16 to 17. Just read around the screen. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will certainly not carry out the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want. The passage begins with the context of Paul urging the Galatian church that they are set free by Christ. They are free from the burden of following the Old Testament law, free from needing to do works to be made right with God, set free to love and serve one another. We touched on that last week. But here's the thing. Christians are set free for a fight. And a good fight. Picture this. A small unit in the army is set into battle of this big war going on. World War III. And as the battle goes on, they find themselves surrounded by the enemy. They get captured. They get put behind bars and are held as war hostages. But while that's all happening, a few days later, another small unit manages to sneak past enemy lines and set them free. But here's the thing. Although this unit is free from behind bars, they're not free from the fight. They're still behind enemy lines. The Christian responds by grabbing their guns and uniform, ready for the fight to come. 
prepared for the war that's still going on. Others who, who aren't Christian don't even know they're still fighting to do. They might not even realize that the war is still going on. These verses in Galatians 5 tell us that the spirit and the flesh oppose one another. They're in conflict. They're at war. There's a battle going on. And if you call yourself a Christian and you feel the fight of your sin, this internal conflict inside of you, some of us might even describe it as, as being told we're free, but not feeling free at all. If you feel any of that, then praise God. Welcome, friend. You've been set free for the fight. You've been set free for the good fight. Now, to help us understand why this fight is good, we need to understand the, the two contestants in this fight that our verse is set up, the spirit and the flesh. So first, let's, let's touch on the flesh. Here, the word flesh doesn't simply mean meat, doesn't simply mean you know, your love handles, the, the fat and muscle around your bones. What it's referring to is that part of us, all of us, that part of us that makes us rebel against God, reject God, that inclination to do things our own way instead of God's way. Some, of, some people call this the sin nature. And I think that's fair, but we can't miss the nuance of the word flesh. Our sin nature permeates through all of us to our very core. This isn't simply something, something we have, like it's some trait we can switch on or off as you please. It is who we are. Calling this sin nature flesh really challenges us to realize that our very instincts, our very being, urges us to choose me instead of God. I hope we can all agree that, that we don't have to go too far to, to see evidence of this in the world around us. Let's take, let's take kids, for example. Put your hand up if you've had to look after, teach, or babysit a baby or a young child before. Those of you who haven't, you're, you're missing out on quite the experience. <laughs> so recently, the last few months, Angela and I have had the privilege, or should I say challenge, of looking after three to four, sometimes even five, kids for a couple of hours each week. And honestly, kids are fascinating. Now, I've never done this before, so it was a really great learning experience. I'll, I'll admit, there are some great times looking after the children. But more often than not, I find myself battling to get them to settle down, struggling to get them to stop fighting with each other, and it's an even harder time getting them to share. We go through great lengths to teach kids patience, self-control, discipline. They don't grow up naturally with these things. In fact, it's, it's kind of the opposite. And that's what Paul means by our flesh. Our sin nature to pick me instead of others, let alone God. The sinful nature is real and it's constant in every person and every Christian. We can't be naive about our pastors. I hope we won't be naive about our Bible study members or our family. But most importantly, I hope you won't be naive about yourself. Are we being real and honest about the sin nature inside of us? talking about it and looking out for it? Do you, or do you pretend that you aren't sinful? Put on a facade for the world to see and your church family. Don't be deceived and don't deceive others. Now, this doesn't mean going around and, and being the sin police and judging others, but what it does mean is we need to be alert so we can fight. The sinful nature is constant in every human being, and the fight that is good is the fight against sin. Now, here's the thing. 
Even though this is an internal fight between our flesh and spirit, the side that is winning actually shows itself outwardly. Have a look with me at Galatians 5, verse 19 to 21. It should be on the screen. Now, the works of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I'm warning you about these things as I warned you before that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Long list, isn't it? Kind of just highlights what humans are capable of. But this list is actually quite helpful because some of us won't even realize how much of a battle is going on inside of us. But when the flesh is winning, it's obvious. The works of the flesh are obvious. Here's a warning for us all. Churches are dotted with people who are all head and no heart. People who have learned to talk the talk. People who know the right Christianese answer in Bible study group. Know how to behave like a good Christian in front of others, but don't actually walk by the Spirit. We'll talk about walking by the Spirit a little shortly. But we need to watch ourselves. Watch who is winning the fight. Is it the flesh or is it the Spirit? You can tell when your flesh is winning when some of these things listed in Galatians keep showing up in your life. This past week, I was catering with a small team, all the food for about 80 people at the Uni Church Conference. Shout out to all of those of us who are here. Honestly, it was a great privilege and a joy to get to serve my church family in that way. But it was, a very, tiring, it was very tiring and there were very many stressful moments. Lots of things going on in the kitchen and deadlines to meet uh, the conference schedule. And when I reflected back on my behavior across the week as I was driving home with Angela, I realized the way I treated the rest of the catering team, including Angela, was colored by moments of, of impatience, aggression, and mistrust. I wasn't sure if I could depend on them. When high-pressure moments came to meet the conference deadlines, please and thank you went out the window, the real men came out. The one that charges on ahead and bowls people over without thinking about how they feel. And it occurred to me that I didn't care about how they felt in those moments. I only cared about getting the task done well and on time. And if I'm being honest, I haven't made Angela cry one evening. And the point I want to make is, what do you like behind the scenes? How do you react or behave in stressful situations? What do you like at home with your spouse or your flatmates? Ask them. But even more, what are you like when you think no one is watching? Because I know for myself, it's moments like these when the impatient, stressful, judgmental, aggressive, and ultimately sinful man comes out. When the flesh is winning, it will show itself. Now, when Paul says if you practice these things, you will not inherit the kingdom, he doesn't mean you'll lose the kingdom if you fight. Let's get that clear. He means you'll lose the kingdom if you make peace with your sin, if you settle down with your sin and marry your sin, if you see sin showing itself and you don't care. Nope, not going to bother. I hope you, you're hearing that. Do not get comfortable with your sin. It will lead you to hell. And the idea here isn't that Christians couldn't ever commit these sins, but it's that they could never stay in these sins. When the Christian falls and produces a work of the flesh, it isn't to, to spite God, but it's from our weakness. 
When sin is brought to our attention, we don't continue to sin. We fall to our knees and repent. We run back to Jesus and ask for forgiveness. But if we continue to sin, as if we don't care, fulfilling the desires of the flesh, it's evidence that we're not sincere. Do not make peace with the enemy. Sin is not our friend. It lies to us. It promises happiness, but all it does is lead to death. So friends, here's a challenge for us. Galatians 5 verse 24. The screen. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Here when Paul says that the flesh has been crucified, he doesn't simply mean that our sinful nature has been put to death. He means we've nailed it up. We've rejected it. We've hung it up there for all to see as it squiggles and worms to try to get a hold of us. But we've decided that it's not going to run our lives anymore. See through the sweet talk of our flesh. Don't be fooled by how well sin presents itself. You don't need to have sex with your boyfriend to prove how much you love him. Feel the urge to watch porn a little bit. Don't give in. Don't give in to sexual sins. Atheism, Buddhism, Islam, prosperity, works of the law will not give you your best life now. Don't simply trust anything. Satan will use these against you. Speaking badly of your co-workers or, or study peers will not help you gain popularity or gain that promotion. It may be tempting, but it will only lead to death. It might be greed. It might be comfort. Maybe it's ignoring someone because you think they're annoying. Whatever is tempting us, our different ages, genders, seasons of life, whatever sin is tempting us, fight the good fight. And for those of us who have fallen into sin, maybe even recently, the call for us is to think through how we respond. God sees the heart, and he sees you fighting. Now, the thing with the good fight is, it's not just a good thing, it's, it's literally a good fight, it's very hard. Many of us, if not all, will have something in our lives that we've been trying to quash for a long time but just can't. Some of us might will have habitual sin that, that we've been battling with but it just won't go away. So what do we do? What do we do when our very flesh desires to let sin win? And this leads us to our second contestant in the fight and our second point. The friend who empowers. Point two. Now when I say friend... I don't mean, you know, buddy-buddy, arm-around-the-shoulder kind of thing. I'm talking about the Spirit. I'm talking about our comforter, helper, counselor, guide, advocate, teacher, revealer of God's Word, and so much more. Galatians 5, verse 16, 18, and 20, 25. I'll briefly skim through them. It should be on the screen. Verse 16. I say then, walk by the Spirit. Verse 18. Be led by the Spirit. Verse 25, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. The word Spirit is the most repeated word in our passage today. And it's important for us to understand the Spirit because many of us, especially me, fall into the trap of walking around with two-thirds of the Trinity in our head, sometimes even one-third. So let me try to ground this for us. Friends, we need to make some decisions if we're going to call ourselves Christian. We need to decide if God is our Father, our Lord in heaven. Is Jesus our Savior, the one who died for our sins? If we're going to say yes to those questions, then the Spirit is our indweller. The Spirit is our helper. So we must learn how to seek His help. 
One of the first mistakes Christians make is thinking they're not good enough for God. But that exact thinking is the mistake. We were never good enough with God, for God. Our flesh is repulsive to Him. That's why Jesus had to die for us and why Jesus had to give us the Spirit to help us in our weakness, to help us in the fight. The Galatians so badly wanted to be good enough for God but never learned how to ask the Spirit for help. So the question is, how do we walk by the Spirit? How do we live by it, be led by it? What does that look like? Is it as simple as saying, today I'm going to walk by the Spirit? It's a lot of questions. And rightly so, because, we need it, because this is something we need to get right. This is a real game changer if we want to call ourselves Christian. Now, as I was writing this sermon, I tried really, really hard to think of some creative or unique way to teach what this looks like, to, li- to live by the Spirit. But in the end, it, it really just boiled down to knowing the will of God, being in discussion with God to learn what the Spirit desires and shaping our lives around that. And the only way to know the will of God is to read God's Word, what He says, the Bible. And the only way to be in discussion with God, to talk to Him, is to pray. Pray in the name of Jesus. The Spirit is never divorced from the Word, the Bible. The Spirit loves the Bible. He inspired the Bible. He brings people to the Bible. He teaches the riches and treasures of the Bible. The Spirit works with the Bible. It's how the Spirit brings salvation, and it's how the Spirit brings revelation. We must always keep the Spirit and the Word together. Let me try to illustrate this. When you do life with a friend, when you walk alongside them by your side, heading somewhere, you're always, you're always heading to a destination. You might be heading to some destination or, or a goal or an objective, whatever it is. As you do that, you, you want to talk to them about that place, talk to them about what you're doing or, or that goal you're heading towards. The goal or place doesn't change, but your discussion with your friend helps you think through it. Perhaps it's how you're going about it, your methods. They might affirm your excitement, help you appreciate landmarks along the way. Maybe it's even discouraging you from an unwise choice. And life by the Spirit, walking by the Spirit, isn't so different. Our destination doesn't change. We're heading towards heaven. But God wants to engage in conversation with, with, us, wants to engage in conversation with us on the way there, to listen to Him in, the, in His Word, the Bible, and to speak to him through prayer. So I wonder how many of us actually know what it's like to sit in our rooms with the Bible open and pray, to have a precious fellowship with God, whether it's for three minutes or 33 minutes. I wonder how many of us actually know what that's like. Life by the Spirit isn't a matter of being able to do. It isn't about being able to do miracles, speak in tongues, Hear God's voice in your head telling you what to do. It isn't about doing any of that. Life by the Spirit is all about who. Who are you walking alongside? Who are you led by? Who are you doing life with? Do we pray on a regular basis and ask, Holy Spirit, fill and rule my heart. Help me to live the Christian life. And if I'm being honest with myself, I'm not sure if I'm praying that each day. And this really challenges us as Christians to think, what are our priorities? Is it that extra 10 minutes of sleep or 10 minutes with God? 
Is it the extra two episodes on Netflix or two hours at Connect Group? Is it an extra evening on another date night or an extra evening with my church family? Do we care more about our retirement fund than we do about seeing the gospel go out? At the end of this year, will you care more about the growth in your GPA than your growth as a Christian? There's too many to think of. But let me be clear here. Paul isn't giving some long list of commands of do's and don'ts. He isn't making up some new religion with a bunch of guidelines on how to live your life. He simply tells us to keep in step with the Spirit, to walk alongside God. The only real do for the Christian is to do life with God. And isn't that freeing? Paul deliberately leaves this open because he knows with confidence, with absolute confidence, that God will grow us in godliness as we keep in step with the Spirit. Galatians 5 verse 16 offers that certainty. Certainty that if we are walking by the Spirit, we will not, not, not might not, not, not should not, not could not, we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Have any of us here not, not seen Star Wars? Put your hand up. Oh, okay. As I was thinking about this passage uh, and the fight between the Spirit and the flesh, I thought of this video from Star Wars, so, so a bit of a spoiler warning, um, but it should be on the screen. It's over, Anakin! I have the high ground! You underestimate my power! Don't try it! The fight inside the fight inside of you between the flesh and the spirit might feel a little like the lightsaber fight in the video. <laughs> but you can be sure that the spirit always has the high ground. <laughs> if you're walking if you're walking by the spirit you will not perform the works of the flesh. You will not. Whether it's a small battle of sin today or when Jesus comes back and the world is imploding. This isn't some battle where, where we're not sure who's going to win out in the end. As we fight, if you're walking by the Spirit, reading our Bibles and praying regularly, the flesh will not win. Instead, the Spirit will grow in us fruit, which leads us to our final point, the fruit which is grown. And grown as a result of walking by the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22 to 23. Should be on the screen. But the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Absolutely beautiful. And it's worth noting that the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Fruit, not fruits. When we are walking by the Spirit all nine of these segments will be grown. The fruit of the Spirit isn't the fruit of the Spirit without gentleness. Gentleness is, is this polite, restrained behavior towards others. You know God's been growing in you gentleness when people who are hurt, sad, or guilty feel safe to come to you, when you can correct and share wisdom with others without arguing or intensity. There's, there's no room to question whether we should grow in patience or not. Here in Galatians, patience literally means longer temper. A patient person is able to endure pain 
and suffering without complaining. Christians aren't weak. God is growing in them the ability to endure, growing them in patience. One of the great marketing strategies of Satan is to whisper into all of our ears that life by the Spirit, walking alongside God, is all boring and gloomy. But the fruit of the Spirit isn't the fruit of the Spirit without joy. Not some cheap thrill that comes and goes, but comfort that remains through any circumstance. There's also self-control, the ability to control our fleshy desires, the ability to say no. Goodness is godliness and morals in action. It looks like a life that is characterized by work, motivated by a desire to be a blessing, wanting to do what is right and true. When we have kindness, we are tender and useful to others. Every word and action we have has a flavor of generosity to it. We assume the best of others. Maintaining kindness to the ones we love is hard enough already. But you know that God's Spirit is in you when you're expressing kindness to those you consider enemies. Faithfulness is consistency. It takes care in keeping what you are entrusted with. And most importantly, it takes care when learning and teaching the gospel. Now, the peace we see in Galatians 5 is talking about the peace we get when we are in relationship with God. When we stop fighting against God, against God's ways, and when we realize that He's in control and we're not. And we can't forget love. And this word love in Galatians 5 isn't just some nice feeling, but it's a choice. The choice to be kind, sacrificial, and consider others' needs greater than one's own. And if you're anything like me and you, you see that list and you hear all that, you're probably feeling like, man, I've got a long way to go. But when we see these things, we actually see Jesus, who is perfectly loving, perfectly patient, perfectly kind, perfectly all those things. When we see the fruit of the Spirit, we see Jesus. And this is what God produces with certainty in His people as they walk by the Spirit. He's helping them to grow like His Son, Jesus Christ. And for us to bear the fruit of the Spirit is one of the greatest privileges of the Christian life. Now, be careful, though, not to mistake the fruit of the Spirit with the gifts of the Spirit. It's not like some of us have this fruit and others don't. The fruit of the Spirit is something God is producing in all of us, all His people. And I want to say that the word fruit here is, is incredibly appropriate. See, Paul doesn't list these things as commands, as if he's saying, be loving, be peaceful, be joyful. That doesn't make any sense. It's called fruit because these things are are fragile, precious, attractive, but most of all, there's no quick fix to godliness. It's not like we can try really hard and squeeze out more love. It's not like that. The fruit of the Spirit is growing, cultivated over time, outside our own efforts, simply by walking alongside God, walking by the Spirit. We can't force a fruit tree to grow any faster, but we can spend time with it each day watering it, pruning it, pulling out the weeds. And the same can be said with us. We can spend time with God each day, talking to Him in prayer, listening to Him by reading the Bible. And as we do that, God will, with absolute certainty, grow you to be more like Jesus Christ. He will grow us in godliness. Now, there's a funny little phrase at the end of verse 23. 
There is no law against the fruit of the Spirit. Paul says a similar phrase in verse 18. Why would, why would Paul say that? Well, what he's trying to say here is that when it comes to the sins of our lives, they need restraint. They need to be held back. But when, grow, when God grows in us the fruit of the Spirit, they don't need any restraint. There's no optimal size for this fruit. They don't need a law, and no law can produce them. The fruit of the Spirit are wonderful things that we have complete freedom to pursue and desire. In Greek mythology, there's a, there's a great story of Odysseus who, who leads his crew past the sirens. The sirens are these little mythical sea creatures who, who would sing a beautiful and hypnotizing song that led sailors to jump off, off their ship and be lost. So to get past the siren song, Odysseus made his crew put beeswax in their ears and tie himself down to the mast of the ship. They tied Odysseus down so that when the sirens sung, even though Odysseus wanted to, he couldn't move. In the face of temptation, he was held back. But on another occasion, Orpheus and his crew were sailing past the sirens. When Orpheus heard the sirens begin to sing, he drew out his lyre and played music better than the sirens. Orpheus directed his crew's attention to something greater, something more worthy. Often, we try to fight sin, fight the good fight, by setting up personal rules, boundaries, accountability partners, and they're all good things. But we must first ask ourselves if we've been captivated by Jesus. This was God's plan all along. He helps us to fight sin, not just simply paying the penalty of it and leaving it up to us, but by exchanging our old affections and loves for a new one. Exchange your old loves for a new and godly love. And this starts with Jesus Christ, where we see the fruit of the Spirit most clearly on display. If we can't see how much better life with God is to sin, then we don't understand the gospel. You might think you've, you've heard the gospel before, the Christian message, but you don't actually understand it. The application for you is to stop and consider whether you've let God himself, through his word, the Bible, show you who Jesus is. Not some random YouTube video, not some Google article, but God, by his spirit, through his word himself. The past few weeks, we've learned about how the Galatians knew and experienced the Holy Spirit, but we're turning back to the law. Why would they give up and forget, maybe put aside the Spirit, which is supposedly so much more worthy, and turn to law? And at its heart, it's because it's easier. Law keepers want the boundaries. They want to know what's one step inside the line. How far can I go and still be okay? That's what the law keeper wants. It's very easy, isn't it? Am I inside the line or not? Yes or no, black or white, I've done it. It's a minimal obedience, and it's quick. Here's the line, stand on the correct side, done. It's visible. Everybody knows, and everybody can praise me. But the work of the Spirit is very different. It convicts us to consider, am I loving enough? Could I have more joy? Where am I losing self-control? Am I being kind or good? Where am I not expressing peace? If you want to strive after these, there is no limit. 
no line, no boundary. It's a slow change, transformation from within. It's easy to try to seek after rules and want a quick hit, quick success. But the reality is, only the work of the Spirit in us will last to eternity. While the law is externally imposed, only the Spirit internally transforms. And I totally get it. It's easier to be told what to do. Us Christians do it all the time. Should I date or marry this person or not? Should I do law or engineering? Should I move city or stay in Auckland? Should I save for retirement or not? All these things. We want to know what to do. But as we walk by the Spirit, living in fellowship with God, He will grow you to be more like Christ. He will produce in you the fruit of the Spirit. God isn't so concerned with these little details. He's concerned with your relationship with Him. Life as a Christian isn't about getting everything right and living this this picture-perfect life. Very often we actually do do the opposite. But life as a Christian is life alongside God who is inside of us by His Spirit. And even when we get tired, God will continue to work in us and transform us to be more like Christ. So friends, freedom in Christ means fighting. The good fight, fighting the flesh, and growing the fruit of the Spirit by the Spirit. So keep fighting the good fight, depending on our friend, our comforter, our advocate, our helper, the Holy Spirit, as He works in us to become more like Jesus Christ. There really is no greater privilege than to bear the fruit of the Spirit, and there is no greater love than God's Son, Jesus Christ. So why don't we pray and ask God to, by His Spirit, grow in us His fruit. Let's pray for that now. Father in heaven, we know you are fighting for us. We know you have defeated the sting of sin. You have defeated death itself. And as we recognize that reality, help us to move this truth from our heads to our hearts. May your spirit dwell in us to cultivate and grow love, joy, peace. Help us to be more patient, kind, and good. And may our lives always reflect faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. We ask that the work of the Spirit grow in us the fruit of the Spirit. And we ask that you please protect us from chasing after works of the law and the desires of the flesh. Help us above all else to, be, to love and be captivated by your Son, Jesus Christ. We ask these things by your Spirit, in the name of your Son, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.